0: Join us as we gather around the hedge, where we dig into technology, business, and culture with the finest minds in computer networking.
1: Well, hello, Alvaro. You're in a bit been in the dark today. What's up with that? You don't have any lights there where you live? I,
2: I actually got a new light that's supposed to be hitting me through the front so maybe it's not working too well.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, the good thing is you don't have any monitor reflection on your glasses, really, which is something I always struggle with, and I still have it right now. It's driving me crazy. But, you know, it's a matter of figuring out how to rearrange the light so that doesn't happen and getting my monitor turned down more or whatever it is. So today we're joined by Marie Jose, and we are talking about computing in the network research group. So this is not a standard IETF working group, so to speak. This is a IRTF research group, which means it's more about researching new topics and understanding things than it is about creating standards. And I think I would start with that just because a lot of people in our audience probably don't know the difference between a research group and a working group and you know what the purposes are and stuff like that. So talk to us a little bit about Coin computing in the network, like uh, you said, you had a good place to start pre-recording. So,
0: okay, so I'm José Montpetit. I'm actually the uh, co-chair of the group. We have three co-chairs. Uh, the two others are Jeffrey He, who used to be at Huawei, but is now a PhD student at City University in Hong Kong. And last but not least, Eve Schooler, who is at Intel and does a lot of things in IoT and is a director of R&D there. Um, I'm actually an affiliate professor in Concordia University here in Montreal. I'm also teaching a class in Paris, and this is where I'm going to come back to. And I'm a technical uh, lead in a startup here that does a lot of things that I would say are, I would say, remotely, but less and less remotely related to what we do in computing in the network. So, where should I start? I will start from what I told my students in my class in September October when we started. And I told them, I said, you know, up to now, if you think about it, the internet has always been some kind of, I would say, a packetized telephone network. So, you know, you go from one place, you send a bunch of packets to a certain node and everything in that network is made to forward the packets to that destination. And, you know, we lived with that for quite a long time. And many of the protocols of the internet are are essentially tailored to that. I said to my students, well, okay, let's do two things first. Let's think of a computer board and a multiprocessor computer board. So what do we have? We have different CPUs. We have memory. We have other elements that will, uh, you know, power supplies. And let's break it. Let's break it up. Let's break it up in pieces and throw these pieces around and call this the internet. How would we redo the protocols we have or what would the protocols we have would change if instead of having nodes that are, I would say less and less non-intelligent because there's more and more intelligence inside the network just for the, for the network management, but you know, the original part was like, you were a dumb node. You were getting a packet and your role was to send it to the next hop. And maybe now you get this packet and you may want to decide, well, maybe I want to send it. Maybe I want to change something in it. Maybe I want to send it somewhere else because the application that I have may require uh, further uh, processing. And that's how maybe we want to look at it, I would say, from the 35,000 feet version. So our computer board, broken, tons of pieces. And now let's think, because we are a research group, let's think of what happens when this is the situation. So this is where we started. Another way to look at it is also, once you have that distributed computer board or these computer pieces that are distributed a bit everywhere else. Well, again, maybe you need things that were not part of the original internet. You need to discover things. Uh, you need to discover where your CPUs are. You need to discover where your memory is. So in COIN, we had a lot of work on discovery. And again, Eve was, uh, Eve Schooler was uh, absolutely uh, central to that. So, you know, where, where are the pieces? Where Where are the pieces that I should be using to create the application. And I know Alvaro was mentioning, you know, talking about use cases and applications is, goal, is one goal. And yes, and I'm going to come to that soon. And so we need to discover, we need to maybe, we need to store information that maybe we will need to use later. Uh, we may want to co-locate more resources. So there's even... Uh, some work that's been done in having more than one level of processing inside these nodes. So you maybe you do a very fast processing at the low levels and you raise it up. Because we need to come back to how it all started. And it all started maybe, I don't know now, probably six years ago, when a bunch of people in many companies developed an architecture for a really fast match action switch, which was, is called the PISA architecture, and was made really, really, really famous by the Barefoot Company, who had something that was called Tofino. And in the meantime, Barefoot was bought by Intel, so Tofino was now part of Intel. But it was, and the, the goal of that was to uh, parallelize and essentially uh, accelerate the, the work in data centers. So what you have in data centers, you know, you really want to do a lot of load balancing really fast. You want to move things in between storage. You want to do a lot of things really fast, and and that architecture allows it to be to be really efficient. You get into the switch. The switch looks at your header, can do can actually change things in your header uh, based on where you would like this balancing to go or where you would like these packets to go. You can even have workloads. That includes AI in there. And you want to do this really, really fast. And that's why Tofino does it really, really nicely on the headers. There's even a language that was developed uh, to do that, a language called P4, which I would call a subset of the C language, but is essentially dedicated to do that match action change of, of, of header functions really, really fast. For people who are, and essentially there was something on the on the on the list today. For those of you who follow it, it's it's a list at the IRTF.org. It's coin at IRTF.org. I'll do my, my plug-in here. And um, there was thing that people were saying it's similar to active networking. Well, it is not like active networking. There is no programming in the headers, there is no programming inside the packet, but the header. And the information can trigger a program to act on what it is. So this is how it started. Very simple match action, and then it exploded. And I will tell you that when we started the group three years ago, the data, I would say the data center and the Tofinos were probably the only game in town. There is more and more applications throughout the network. There is a Pi P4 or the P4 Pi uh, implementation that allows P4 to run on on the little Raspberry Pis that allows students to try on tons of new things. And the idea that at first people were saying, yeah, but you guys are killing uh, the end-to-end principles of the Internet. You're doing things inside the network. And so uh, you are uh, inside the, that's my grad students who sending me some slack. I told them not to, but that's okay. Uh, and, uh, it, you, um, so yeah, so we, we started from there and now it's exploding. There's Pi and there's students. And when you have students and a lot of papers and compute and, and, in conferences, you start having, and Alvaro, please interrupt me anytime, by the way, I like questions. So you start having a bunch of people who are telling themselves, what else can I do with this? And one way I told my students, again, to look at it, and at one point I'm going to put it on the, uh, on the list, but I, I started today a little bit, but I will continue, is first, if the network is a distributed computer board, we need an operating system. So what would be in that operating system? There needs to be ways of reaching the the nodes. And that's essentially what what the P4 and the Tofino architecture or Tofino-like architectures would do. But you may want to do other things. And the other things is based on uh, discussions that I've been having with people at Barefoot and, and now at Intel, is that now that we can do really fast match action on headers, could we start doing really fast match action on metadata? And then it becomes really interesting because, of course, it won't be line speed. You know, we won't be talking of gigabits per second. But now you could start moving totally in a new direction where your match action could also be based on policy and could be based on training, artificial intelligence, and all kinds of things. And it becomes really interesting. And we barely, barely have touched this. There's been a lot of discussions on the list for those of you who looked at it. On, uh, you know, applicability of some of the routing uh, paradigms, you know, could COIN be a way of implementing or could computing in the network be a way of implementing better routing? Yes. And that could be another application. But what I told my students again is we live in the world of apps, right? And we live in the world of apps. And actually, you and, you and I and Alvaro are currently using an app. And that app uses some kind of a cloud service that allows us to communicate. What I told my students is think about when, when, when you use an app, what happens to the packet? Do what I call the life of a packet. And actually, the life of a packet was invented or actually was told to me by a mentor of mine. And it's interesting when you start thinking about the life of a packet and The life of a packet inside the internet is even for people who think that they're using cloud infrastructure. Well, this packet goes through an awful lot of intermediate places. And I told my students, think about if there was a way to act on your packet at every one of these intermediate places, what would happen to your application? What other application could be enabled? What other services could be added to your little packet that is moving through the network? And let's break it down and let's see how applications work better. So in Coin, we've looked at a number of use cases related to, amongst other things, well, artificial intelligence in general, because if you have an app, and your packets are being sent. Maybe you want to have some kind of training algorithm in the network that will learn about a certain type of packet or a certain destination if it's not end-to-end encrypted. And that's something I'm going to come back to because that's also a problem with with in network computing is in uh, if things are, are are not transparent, you don't see anything, so you can't do any processing. So for the for for the AI—that's one way, and it works really well to add uh, network management. And there's, you know, a lot of there's another research group on network management in the IRTF, and we've had a lot of discussions with them. Again, I was talking—we had a lot of work on discovery, and that uh, also was uh, taking advantage of some of the development that was done. in another one of our—I uh, call them our sister or brother research uh, groups. Uh, on information-centric networking, for example, who they have looked at uh, non-traditional forwarding inside the internet for quite a long time, and and they do a lot of caching. So we also looked at that type of thing. So my packet leaves my computer, but it may be stored also somewhere so that the next person who needs the same information uh, would have access to it. So that's one way of looking at it. We've looked at, obviously, all the things of augmented reality uh, where delay there becomes a real issue, so you may want to uh, do things somewhere in the network to improve on delay of of the system, and you may want to do things at the edge uh, for rendering because you know rendering of 3D is is really it's a lot of a lot of bits, and you may want to wait a little bit before rendering these bits, and you want to render them maybe in in closer to the edge. The people who do 6G are thinking of. Computing service providers, so adding computing capabilities inside uh, 6G RANs, for example, and a professor at uh, Oxford University, Noah Zilberman, she's, I think she's the one who coined, coin and coins, uh, who coined the, ta- the, the the word computing service provider so that you would, as a user or as a user or as a application provider, you could essentially rent computing inside your RAN, and you'd be able to do some processing there uh, for all kinds of stuff. So all kinds of stuff, what do we mean by that? Again, I asked my students for ideas. So, you know, the the obvious ones are all the autonomous vehicles and the autonomous systems inside a city, because you may want there to implement at some edge uh, element, uh, some computing or some capabilities that are a uh, Very local, hyper local specificity. You may want to add there some anonymization of packets. You may want to do things that will enable your application to work really well locally, but not break any rules somewhere down on the network. And so my students came up with ideas of smart city, autonomous vehicle, better uh, monitoring of health because, you know, this is COVID and everybody wants to have that. But all of them have something in common that a lot of the I would say gathering of the information together, the creation of a holistic application is not done in the cloud. It, is this cloud. it is done locally. I will give the other example of the startup that I'm working with, the work startup I'm working with is actually something that is called uh, vertical agriculture. And in vertical agriculture, you essentially have a bunch of distributed, enclosed, and enclosed environments that grow things with completely artificial conditions. Uh, It's all lights and automatic systems. And a feature of these these enclosures is that it's completely data-driven and you may want to have multiple layers of computing in the edge, in in many layers of edge, actually, in the local edge, in the company edge, and then in the cloud to implement critical tasks and also enable uh, autonomy in artificial intelligence applications for decision-making. So in a way, if you start breaking it down and if you start thinking about it, not just as, oh, they're going to just do computing in the network, I would say we want also to start doing computing in the networks. And then you start thinking fog, edge, or cloud. And essentially, at a conference last year, we we had this. We called it the core edge continuum. And I I think whenever you decide where your edge is, and it's funny because your podcast is called the the hedge with an H. And when I read it, I was thinking edge for coin. I was thinking, yeah, it's perfect actually. Edge is where coin goes. And um, so there's a lot of I think commonalities between what is being done in edge computing and edge networking, uh, but also with what uh, is doing in coin.
1: You've given us a third meaning of the hedge. Now the first two meetings were, you know, the hedge where people gather to talk. And then the reason it's a hedgehog is because most of the network engineers I know are much like hedgehogs. If you get too up close and personal, they put out their little spines and start hissing at you to make you go well, away. That's, what right.
0: people would, that's what probably what people would think about. I me and that's why my camera is not turned on. But, so uh, that's, that's perfect. Um, so, Alvaro, you, you seem to have some uh, questions. Oh,
2: I have a lot of questions, yes. And the, the good thing is that you've been sort of answering my questions as you go.
0: Well, I was thinking, I hope you have a lot of questions, and I'm not sure I have a lot of answers. so that's okay.
2: So, so you know it's interesting how you well, everything you said is interesting, but one of the interesting things is that how you try to characterize you know the internet as maybe as a computer, and how do we reinvent that or reposition the way that we look at things? Yeah, you know, a lot of the examples that that you talked about, th- there were places where you talked about uh, you know better delivery of packets. Uh, other times you talked about delaying the delivery of things, aggregating information. Many times when I first saw the term coin of computing in the network, I, my first thought was edge computing. Yep. Um, and, and of course you said, yeah, okay, that applies as well. It applies in the edge, it applies in the core, it applies that continuum that you mentioned, uh, it, it applies in the data center. So it feels like we're taking a whole new look at how a network or the internet as a whole may look like, not just to solve some point problems, but to basically solve everything.
0: Well, we're not solving everything. Um, okay. So, again- so, so the question
2: I was going to ask is, can we, can we talk about specific use cases in the draft that you guys wrote about Energy use cases, you call them, Coin experiences. Can we talk about a couple of examples so that we all get a better picture of the type of things? I mean, you talked a lot of, about a lot of things, maybe a little bit um, yeah, high level. So, so why don't we land a little bit?
0: Okay. So, first, I want to say we're not trying to solve everything, but yes, it is a new way of of looking at things. And I will take the again the the very I would say the common elements that are inside the, uh, the use case uh, draft is to take advantage of i would i would say the the best thing that i can say about coin is to take advantage of uh, of local resources and not ignore what the local resources are so i'll come back to the the one i wrote actually which is the the uh, augmented reality one or actually anything related to video and what we recognized is that again a lot of the uh, augmented reality experiences are not as fulfilling as they could be uh, because a lot of the rendering and a lot of the actual um, experience itself is actually rendered in the cloud and then sent back to the um, the local device. And that is actually not very nice. And I've actually saw... A number of movies, for example, that had elements of of AR where the image ended up being very grainy. So what we have said inside the use case for AR is that let's do, and it comes back a lot in in COIN, a functional decomposition. What is the stuff that can be actually kept hyperlocally and what is the stuff that, that needs to be done inside the network? and for for example uh locally all the uh, if you're if you're in a, a lot of let, let's use an example you're inside a train station and you would like to have an ar experience that will tell you you know where the next train is what are the restaurants around you what are the current rules for covid whatever a lot of the Messaging is very common. So you could keep that at a local computer and actually that would be better because that would also help in responding to uh, critical events or alerts or something like almost instantly. So that those things you want to keep there there are things that will never change, which is the topology. You're inside a train station. So the topology will never change. The store that is there will always be there. So you may want to also keep that locally and update the information based on that very fixed fixed infrastructure. What do you want to keep in the cloud? Well, there are things related to the train schedules. Whatever is... Uh, related to the management of the train, the management of the information, uh, the the local privacy. Well, you could share the local privacy, but a lot of times, if you want to share information, there's going to be a national or a subnational set of rules that you may want to apply to the packets or to the information. And depending where you are in the world, that will change. And that you want to keep in the cloud because that shouldn't be uh inside a, a local network deciding where to send information based on you know what the government wants you to do. So I think on that point we kind of separated things really well between what you would like to be local rendering, things that have to be done really fast, because this is something that you want as you turn your head, you want the things to appear. And if it's information that is there, another thing is because you locate that information there, then also your pipe that goes to the cloud is less crowded and you may have more bandwidth and you will be, you know, you may have better service anyway because you're keeping a lot of stuff outside. So this was actually one of the things for AR and we figured out that it would be kind of similar to uh, the same thing for VR as you would like to keep, again, a lot of the rendering locally and and send things uh, not to the network. Uh, another uh, thing, if you look at what uh, people are talking into, um, for example, uh, next-generation holography, uh, you may not want to do holography inside the network. You will absolutely do holography at the edge, and you may want also to do things at the edge that will be influenced, and not just be in processing, but networking in that case, where you add also to the experience, you add telemetry, Actually, we didn't talk about this, but there's a lot of things related to performance me- measurement and telemetry that you want to keep locally also.
2: Right. So we're not just talking about placement of the content or caching CDN-type things where I might have some content that's local, some that's remote, but also, as I think you you've already alluded, the network can be programmed to understand uh, from a single user where to go look that, for that content.
0: Where to go um, look or or how to look for it, and as much as possible. And I think this is where the the match the match action becomes really interesting is that this match action can be very dynamic. So you know, currently it is one thirty here. There could be decisions that are made in terms of forwarding at one thirty local time that are different if it's one thirty eight a.m. local time where maybe the load on the network in some parts is done differently. So I I think that's actually, you're right. You want a network, not just the content to be cached, but what you do with it. And even how you process it, you know, maybe you want to change it. Uh, Maybe, you know, for some local policy, you may want to anonymize things. Maybe in some other place, you know, people don't like to be identified. So uh, maybe there are things that are too personal, and you may want to anonymize it. So you may want to process the information, and this is where the discussions that we had with um, with Intel uh, becomes very interesting, where you start doing the the match action and even the changing of the content in the metadata, and not just in the header.
1: So, so actually doing processing on the data itself in the router. Or are we just using the routing system to get us to local processing capabilities?
0: Well, I, <laughs> I would say both. Uh, okay. Because, you know, define, define to me what a router is these days. Um, so, you know, with SDN, anything is a router. So I, I would say, it a, uh, because at one point somebody said, well, you know, to do computing, you don't ever do computing in the network, you do computing off the network because you you just plug the computer to, to the router and that's not inside the network. And then we can, you know, it's like, uh, it's like how many angels do you fit on a pen? We can discuss that one for the rest of the afternoon. And we probably will still have a different way of looking at it. But I would say if, if the router's capable of doing something, why not? If the capable, if it's not, let's connect something to it that will help it. But then that becomes edge computing maybe. But uh, again, the answer to your question is define router and define where we want to put it. And I would say the generic answer is that we would like to put the processing where the network, where the forwarding happens. So be it inside the same gizmo or in an added gizmo that helps it. Does that answer your question?
1: Yeah. So So this doesn't imply that pure packet forwarding devices would no longer exist nor does it imply pure processing devices would no longer exist that don't do forwarding, but rather that you should have some sort of a mixture device that can be deployed that could do both. And I think one possible instance of this that may not have come out in your working group so far is high-speed trading, because quite often people will program the forwarding table or the forwarding code in a switch to make trades. Yeah, and
0: I would say... I would say in a way, uh, you know, these. Yeah, I see you have the, the computer networking problems in the back of, of your picture. <laughs> and if I remember when I was in, in grad school, one of the big computer, computing network, you know, computer problem we had is a lot of routers were inside some, some workstations. And we had problems of making sure we were doing image processing. And so we were taking an awful lot of, of CPU power and we were crushing the forwarding capabilities all the time because we were essentially taking all the cpu to do processing and as you know things evolved well the the, the processing went on a rack and the the routing went somewhere else and then you know i guess we were, everybody was very happy but maybe we're seeing this this melding coming back just because of of the white boxes that can that can do both um and i would say in some way, I think, um, you know, in French we have, uh, well, I think it exists in English where you say raising your hat. And I think all the data plane processing, uh, should raise its hat to SDN, who essentially started looking at this idea of, uh, doing things in the data plane in a very standardized, I would say software oriented and, uh, yeah, so Noah Zilberman again says stop, stop thinking inside, uh, in terms of protocols and start thinking in terms of what happens to the bits, you know, this this life of a packet. So the answer of your question, again, is that, yeah, there are devices that could do both, but it doesn't say that devices that just forward packets are not good. No, you still need that, especially at the speeds you need somewhere inside the network. There are things that will do only only processing, and again, I'm still involved in image processing and we do an awful lot of CPU and I don't want to share my CPU with some kind of forwarding engine, but you could think of things that do both. And actually it's amazing if you look at the P4Pi, what you can do in a small Pi processor in terms of, you know, doing some uh, matching and some, you know, fast uh, forwarding of packets with changing headers and stuff. Uh, It's just amazing.
1: Yeah, interesting. So you brought up privacy earlier and this is a big deal for me because I do a lot of work around privacy right now. In fact, I'm doing a three-hour webinar next month on privacy uh, for Pe- or this month for Pearson for network engineers. So how does all this interact with privacy? You said, you know, maybe you're implementing privacy things in these devices. Is there something beyond that? Are you-
0: Well, that, that is, okay. We said that we are a- We are a research group, right? So we look at research. And actually, this is a big research. How do we deal with end-to-end encryption, the quick, uh, you know, amongst other things, the quick protocol, end-to-end encryption, privacy, and things like that? Because in order to process the packets, well, you should have access to the information. And maybe you don't. So... You know the way to to put this all under the rug and forget about it. You say, okay, we're going to define trusted entities inside the networks, and and I see Alvaro laughing because you know that's that's the you know let's put everything under the carpet and we don't have to deal with it anymore. So we'll call it trusted entities, and a trusted a trusted entity is defined by whoever owns operates or uses the network, and we're going to at that point have access to information to clear. Well, that's the way to put everything under the rug. That's not really a very good research project. And uh, I think it raises maybe more questions than than others. And in terms of privacy, I told you that uh, one of the, maybe one of the application that my students have, have looked at in, involved personal information. And of course, it's really cool if you can use an inside the network capability to be able to act on that personal information, be it in healthcare or, you know, your local position or whatever, even, you know, like things related to crime fighting. But you need to anonymize it and you need to, to protect the, 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 um, the privacy of the people. And I would call that one open issue. And can we find hybrid models? Uh, I know that with the COVID tracking systems, they've done a lot of implementation on data anonymization, uh, where, um, again, they could gather enough statistics to create a good um, good outcomes, but they, they could anonymize it enough. And, and I would say, good question. This is part of the research. And I, while we're on it, I could say this is one. This is also the impact uh one other thing so privacy sec- privacy is different from security but both are part of it what do we do with end to end encryption what do we do also with the impacts on transport tcp is not made to have the packets being operated on in the middle of the network so do what do we do with tcp uh, combination of all the above and and maybe a bit more what do we do with quick and what do we do with uh, the fact that it's end to end encrypted and We will never be able, probably, to open a session in the middle and start doing things on the packet. So do we want to do that? How we would do it? We haven't really addressed that yet. We've looked at many other things that I would say are a bit more amenable now, but we're getting into the hard problems. And I I think even the the people this week who started bringing some of the ideas of of, uh, semantically-based routing, for example... They still will get into that issue of, of what is a trusted and ent- what is a trusted entity when you do that that type of forwarding. So please join our group if you're interested in, in those topics. <laughs> we we have we have a draft. Um, so although we're a research group and research groups are are more uh, looking into I would say more publications, we have a lot of presentations in our groups that are essentially presentations from conferences. But we do have drafts like like in the I- IETF. Except that we don't produce a standard; we produce what they call an informational RFC, which is "Hey, people, this is something that the research community is looking at." Uh, so we do have a draft on security that is evolving. I am sure that uh, the people who are doing it would love to have more um, more authors. So um, you know, please, please do. We have a a draft on on the issues of transport, and of course, Alvaro mentioned the the use case, and that's actually the easy one. Although probably the authors, including myself, would say, well, maybe not, but it could be the easy one because that's one where, you know, you get a pretty good grasp of what you're trying to do. And again, by breaking up the way you do things now, it helps. Or by thinking, okay, we can't do it now. Um, What could we do if it existed? And I know, for example, there's a startup here in Montreal that is doing a lot of telemetry. And ever since the uh, implementation of of the Tofino architecture, they're really, really happy because for telemetry, it's really good Uh, because you see all the packets going through and you can start, even if it's only counting in that case, uh, it's still much better than what it was before. So, you know, there are things happening all the time. And and I think it's it's one of these research groups where people say, well, your, your charter is a bit too vague. And we keep saying, well, it's vague because we're in a field that it's evolving so fast. And we said at the beginning, you know, we're just looking at what happens in the network where you can compute. Those moving,
2: I, oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, I and I think gonna... compared
0: to you, you're you're so used to the IETF routing where people really focus. On one algorithm and one direction, and we're going to put enough companies and create enough code to implement it. I think because we're a research community, uh, it's much more vague. And I think Colin put it, uh, pretty well. We're more on the journey than on the destination to which I would say maybe we're on a, ju- we are on a journey to destination, but the destination may change in the middle of the journey because the field again is expanding. So Alvaro, you wanted to add something.
2: Yes. What I was going to add is that uh, you said this is moving very fast. Yes, it's obviously <laughs> moving very fast. The ATF seems to be sometimes I, I, I'm going to dare and say catching up. Uh, in in some cases, you know, there are in some of the things that you mentioned around programmability of networks. Uh, there's you know some SDN the work in the ATF going on. There's some servers routing things. Just today, we we're talking about a new working group that we're going to charter in the security area called. Uh, PPM, uh, Privacy Preserving Monitoring, uh, to precisely you know, talk about some of these use cases. Uh, the other use case of the uh, health provider trying to track uh, exposure was one of the use cases that was mentioned there, for example. So what I want to get to is that, yes, I like the way that you put it that you're on the path to some destination and maybe more on the journey itself than trying to get somewhere. As we look at pieces of this in the ATF where people are going to start implementing things. It would be really nice to, from the research point of view, be able to look at the work that is being done and uh, have some type of, of, I don't know, I'm going to say analysis to say, well, you know, that work on that specific way of doing A, B, or C is going to need improvement if we want to get to some destination, some specific place, or that that fits really nice with our journey, and it might be that we already found the solution for one part of, of this work. Uh, and I know that you're not necessarily looking for solutions, right? You're looking for uh, you know more exploration.
0: Okay, so this is my okay. So this is not me speaking as the chair. This is me speaking as someone who's been participating in both IRTF and IETF for a long time. And actually, I think. We need more involvement of, of both peoples on both sides. I think I will call you, call, I call it you guys. So you guys are more into, again, maybe hyper focusing on a specific aspect that you want to standardize. And maybe you are forgetting that there's an awful lot of people who are, who may be looking at the same thing, but in a different way, in a non standardization way. I think us. We may be a little bit losing uh, track of the destination or getting into, as you, as you know, as you saw in the list often, getting into like a really, really, really in depth discussion on something that is important, but may not be central to future development or something. So I think I would say there's need to be a rapprochement between maybe the two communities and having more. Joint and, and I know I know Lars a lot and I know Colin. You know Carl Lars is the head of the IETF and and Colin is the head of the IETF. And I think we should have maybe more joint sessions. Saying okay, maybe one on on actually uh, data plane programming could be an interesting one. And and beyond coin, just not say you know just not just a computing in the network, just you know data plane program or control plane programming, which is essentially SDN. And say okay, so let's have a joint. Uh, a joint meeting between the people who look at this, which could be your security your security group, obviously the routing groups, the intent-based networking people who they also do a lot of things related to us. ICN, we've talked about them because they're part of the IRTF, so that's easier. Uh, PathRG, which is also part of the, IRC, the IETF, it's a bit easier. But, you know, maybe have more like uh, love fests of of different uh, types of, of groups who have a common interest in, in things that are similar And then, you know, being able to do this very hard, I think, again, it's a, it's a, in that case, it's a functional decomposition in terms of who does what, but also maybe to have a better understanding. Okay. So we're going to do the, the journey. Uh, Some other people are, are very interested in the destination and somewhere the journey and the destination need to connect. So how can we work towards helping both the journey and the destination? And I think that's almost an action item for us, Alvaro, to to uh, to make these things happen more often.
2: I think that's that's a great idea. Uh, in fact, I'm going to offer that we should have a joint meeting with uh, the RTUWG, this is the General Routing Working Group, where sometimes you know we do have discussions around uh, you know more researchy type things, which is how we call it. Uh, but all that is important because you know it informs where the technology may be going and it helps us in the IETF maybe be more open to new proposals that at the time today, it may not seem uh, that that is needed, or it may not be clear where they're going, but, you know, getting that, that picture.
0: Yeah. And, and also that that would mean something very important for me is the sense that IRTF, we have a tendency to be maybe more dominated by by universities. You guys are completely dominated by industry. And a lot of times these people, uh, the only time they talk is when it's time to offer a grant of some sort, but they never talk, I would say, in a, or they hardly ever talk. And it's some kind of an open discussion and say, okay, so I'm a researcher. And I'll say a lot of researchers think that we are the, IR, the IETF. So they, they're not really interested because we're not doing standardization. And I keep thinking of, no, no, we're doing research. And then you guys uh, may not be also fully aware of what university is working in a field that is very important for you. So I, I think there's that um, meeting of minds that is maybe missing, and that we're getting far away from coin right now. I'm so sorry, Russ. No, it's um, fine. <laughs> yeah, we're getting we're getting into the uh, the politics of the IETF. Uh, no, but I mean, I, I think it would help coin, and I think coin is actually maybe a a good. Example of what we're actually why we need that because it started from an industry innovation in terms of a switch and it moved into a research community that is doing a lot of things that have nothing to do with that switch in particular but that include the switch and that maybe now it's time to bring back a little bit of the industry or more of the industry into it. Routing is one. Uh, but maybe there are other I, I, I'm actually thinking of intent and everybody doing anything that like, like deals with AI uh, to bring them back into a discussion with us and say, OK, so again, that, you know, we're not going to prevent the Internet from becoming that computer board. You know, it's happening. So whatever we do, as the is there, the white boxes are there. There's more and more dedicated boxes everywhere. The the data center people started this, but now it's everywhere. So we're not going to be able to fight that. So let's let's assume this. So now that we know we can't fight it, so what can we do? Is the routing now becoming part of the operating system of that uh, computer board? Maybe. What else do we need? And I think that's, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much what we've been trying to do is is saying, okay, so now that we have this, what is the research that applies to it? But in, in a way, we were we were kind of lucky that at the same time that we were asking these questions, a ton of other people were. So it, it started as a as a niche, and I, I would call now it's almost like a, like a movement. But I never expected it to be that popular, by the way. So we thought that we were going to be this, you know, little IRTF group with. 10 people attending and now we have like 120 people coming and we have these fights on the on the on the mailing list that are like remind me of the old days of the IETF where you send an email and you say oh my god how many of them are going to reply to me so it it, it kind of exploded and it's cool uh, I guess but yeah but so Alvaro I think we both agree on on you know that there needs to be more meshing I think
2: yes definitely and Go ahead,
1: Russ. I was going to say, so one area that's very interesting around this, and, and we probably need to wrap up anyway, but I just wanted to, to bring this up, is that you talk about how these things are starting to intermesh. And a lot of this happens today in the data center and overlays. And that the overlay, the end host is doing routing for the overlay a lot of times or the top of rack. And the, you know, the, the underlay is kind of a dumb fat, Ethernet switch style pipe. It's really an IP switch style pipe with just as many ports as you can fit on it. So that's that. I think is a natural division that's happening anyway. But um, yeah, this is all really, really interesting. Well, I think uh, it's
0: actually, I think what we're doing, and and Alvaro will agree to me, is that we're we're getting away from this dumb device. Actually, we're getting to the point where the device can be as intelligent as it can be, and. I think it depends on who offers the service or who develops the system. But I know that you know, like for a long time, people were saying you know, an interlayer or whatever. Uh, I'm, I've never been a really big fan of interlayer or anything. But what I'm thinking is that if there, you know, um, especially we start looking also as uh, you know, in an environmentally um, good system, maybe to start having uh, more intelligent stuff happening in the network to, d- to duplicate traffic, to do more processing, to 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 reduce the amount of traffic, not maybe to have to rely on the time on, on major, you know, football field, whichever type of football you're thinking about, football field, data center is somewhere in the north of Quebec, because it's the only place where it's minus 40. And although we're starting to, 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 to warm uh, greenhouses with those, but that's cool. And but, you know, like, maybe we want to be more intelligent in the way that you know, that our packet lives, you know, going back to the life of a packet. So can we look at the way our packet lives in order to be more efficient for the network, more efficient for the application, and maybe even more efficient for the environment? And I think that's part, all part of it.
1: Okay. So other than the coin working group, email list and stuff like that, uh, are there other places that people can follow you, your other work or, you know?
0: Um, okay. So you mentioned the hedgehog. I am a hedgehog. <laughs> uh you should know that uh you're the first person I've always ever accepted to be part of a podcast for. And oh, wow. you can, yeah. <laughs> We're honored. We, cool. You can think you can uh, probably thank Alvaro there because <laughs> if I hadn't seen Alvaro, I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> Actually, following me is really hard. I'm on LinkedIn, obviously, but I try to put very little stuff there. I think Coin is a good is a good place. And uh I have a whole class on this, but I, I should maybe put it somewhere that people could could look at it. Yeah, yeah, you um, should. I wrote I wrote a um a a book chapter in a 6G uh, book that's been that's published on on Wiley. So I I could maybe send you that. But yeah, I have a tendency to be really really shy. I, I never want I never want to be on pictures. I never want to be on <laughs> you know, my, my company. I know my company is really mad at me because you know they like to make big. Uh, you know, marketing type things. And and because I'm a woman also, you know, it really looks good for a, com- a technical company to, to push the woman in front. And I really want to be in the back. So, um, yeah, but I could send you a few things maybe that you could put on, on, on the yeah, site. That's um, fine. Yeah. We could do it. Yeah. And, and again, um, for everybody, please, please, uh, you know, subscribe to the list. There's, there's interesting stuff as, as Alvaro said, and, um, you know, the more the merrier, frankly. And yeah. Think about it. The network is your computer. If you remember the big, the old build thing from, from Sun Microsystems, the network is the computer. Well, now the computer is the network.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll put a, I'll put a link to the CoinRG homepage, uh, working or research group homepage there, so people can subscribe to the mailing list when we publish this. So Alvaro, where can people follow you? I know LinkedIn, Twitter, anything else?
2: Uh, I'll be now in the Coenergy energy list as well. So you can Yeah, I just uh,
1: joined it too, so that's okay. there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, otherwise I'll wait for the network to know where I am.
0: Okay. Come on, you're also on the IRTF everything. So <laughs> on the IETF everything. On the you know, you're one of the ADs, right? So you know you're you're famous.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Russ White. You can find me here at the hedge, rule 11tech various IETF mailing lists. You can come to the IAB meetings that are open to the public sometimes. Those are always cool. But anyway, people can find me pretty easily. Thanks, Maria Jose, for coming on this episode of The Hedge. And oh, uh, you know, you. maybe maybe we'll get you back on sometime to talk about some of the other work that you're working on.
0: Okay, well, that's really cool. And, and again, thank you so very much for inviting me. Thank you, Alzaro.
2: For, it's for been great. This has been questions. a great, great conversation.
0: Yep. And, great uh, yeah, so we'll see you on the list. Yep.
2: yep.
1: See you on the list.
0: Subscribe to The Hedge on your favorite podcast service or follow along at rule11.tech.